Welcome to Voices of ASEAN, a platform built for you where we connect shakers and movers of this region to one another. Business, lifestyle, people, perspectives, news, and the soul of the people from all over Southeast Asia. My name is Beatrice and welcome to another episode of Voices of ASEAN where we continue our series of highlighting dynamic young entrepreneurs in ASEAN as part of the partnership between Voice of ASEAN and the ASEAN Young Entrepreneurs Council. And today we are joined by a very interesting young man from Indonesia. Hans Lukiman is a founding member of the ASEAN Young Entrepreneur Council and also the head council member for Indonesia at IAC. He is also the head of Asia-Pacific Relations at the Indonesian Young Entrepreneurs Association, or HIPME as they are called, and a member of the Working Group for Indonesia's Presidency of the G20 in 2020. What an accomplished young man. And aside from these, Hans also heads a mining company involved in coal, nickel and iron mining, as well as rock quarrying. And he has extensive experience in business development, consulting and mergers and acquisitions. Now, I'm at a loss for words, so I'm th I'll just let Hans tell you the rest of his story. Joining me live from Jakarta, here is Hans Lukiman. Hi, Hans. Hi, what a pleasure <laughs> to meet you and everyone watching. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you on board, especially someone as accomplished as you are. It's incredible how much you've accomplished in such a short period of time. There must be something magical about you. <laughs> So, Voice of ASEAN has signed an MOU with IAC to help promote IAC and its national affiliates, including HIPME. Now, how do you think this partnership is going to enhance HIPME's position? Well, I think uh, Indonesia and HIPME as a market generally has been very inwards looking because of our very strong domestic consumption. And I think through this collaboration with Voice of ASEAN and AYEC, we can bring that exposure that HIPME and AYEC needs to let everyone know that we're open for business, we're recovering from the pandemic, and we welcome with open arms, you know, new collaborations and new tie-ups with any friends across ASEAN and the wider Asia-Pacific region. I'm very optimistic. Fantastic. And right now you have I think uh, you have about 20,000 members, if I'm not mistaken. So that's fantastic. And that's so what, correct. Yeah, I so think what, just by the function of uh, the size of our country and the size yeah. of our population, it makes sense that we are the largest young entrepreneur association in uh, ASEAN. But let me add a little bit, if you don't mind, sure. which I think is, is quite unique. By uh, Indonesian law, we have been recognized as the apex Young Entrepreneur Association. So while there are other young entrepreneur associations in the country, we are the only one recognized by law and the only one whose president formalizes and appoints the cabinet every time there's a new cabinet appointed to this organization. So mm. from that point of view, it's quite unique within ASEAN. Mm, I see. So how many other associations like this are there in Indonesia? So uh, we have uh, Hippie by itself, then we have certain cross-border young chambers like uh, JCI and so forth. But really, uh, we are what is considered in Indonesia the Apex Youth Entrepreneurship Organization. So it's like government endorsed? Absolutely, government endorsed and recognized. So the government, how does the government work together with HIPME? Uh, is, there, 
is it, um, um, is it can you explain to us sure so first of all um most former chairpersons go on and uh, hold official positions within the government so oh, the alumni network so to speak already okay. means that we have very strong channels to the top echelons of government i think at uh, current count, at least three ministers within the current Indonesian cabinet are HIPMI alumni. The oh, current wow. minister of foreign investment, the current minister of trade, and the president himself are alumni of HIPMI. Oh, so that's wow. number one. <laughs> number two is that very often when it comes to bilateral or multilateral trade negotiations, as well as formulation of laws that pertain to MSME or youth entrepreneurship, we are asked to be part of the working group. So there are very many channels through which HIPMI engages with the government. Mm, fantastic. This is like, I mean, to be a member of HIPMI, then it takes something, I think. I think HIPMI is one of those organizations where uh, you really have to try hard. It can be as good as you make it, but you can't be passive. You have to actively engage. Mm -hmm. You have to seek out and participate in opportunities and you have to network, right? I think you yeah. and I both know that's the yeah. reason why we're here to open up those channels. Well, even within HIPME, you can't be passive. So as any young entrepreneur is supposed to be aggressive, yeah. outgoing, uh, communicative, that's what we expect from our members. And if you do those things, we expect that there should be a lot of benefits for any member uh, of HIPME. Of course. Is there a criteria that we put out for, to get members into, uh, to get more people to join HITME? Uh, that's an interesting question. We are a very inclusive organization because young entrepreneurs very often start small. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, roadside vendors in as part of our membership. Oh, and okay. also uh, people who are on the boards or owners of uh, top 500 companies within Indonesia. The one hard rule that we have is that you must be named on the uh, shareholding register of a company, not publicly listed, but you must have a formal legal company and you must be listed as one of the owners. And if you fulfill that criteria, you have a legal body, which is named as a training company or mm -hmm. you know a PTY LTD, then you can become a member of HITME. And in short, you have to be a, a part of the formal economy, so to speak. Mm, I see. But I'm sure at 20,000 members, you're still growing because Indonesia's enterprises are so many, the largest in this region. So 20,000 would probably be just a drop in the ocean. <laughs> so how would you look at growing this? Is there anything that you're doing to grow this? Sure. Uh, that's a fantastic question. I think uh, historically, the government hit me, the Indonesian Chamber of Commerce, otherwise known as Kardin, has always been said to be very Java-focused. Historically, the nexus of power in Indonesia has always been focused around Java. However, our current chair, uh, past two chairs, the current and the, the past one, uh, have both come from outside of Java. So oh, they have okay. made a top priority of their agenda, expanding the membership very far beyond our central island into the nether, uh, outer regions of this country, right? And we've mm -hmm. seen that reflected in our membership and we've also seen that reflected in the amount of people who are a part of the central executive board. So we're very aggressively seeking to include people from outer regions um, into HIPMI. But of course, 
a lot of uh, people from the outer regions are very happy operating within their respective yeah. uh, municipalities. Yeah. So it's part education, it's part outreach. I see. Yeah. Because you have, how many islands do you have in Indonesia? We have about 12,000. Oh my God. It's the most wonderful country, seriously. You have 12,000 islands and it forms one country and you manage it all. Fantastic. I don't think there's any country quite as unique as Indonesia, you know. That do you uniqueness think so? comes with its own challenges. I can't deny that as an island archipelago, the uh, touristic opportunities here are immense. But at yeah. the same time, having such a fragmented landmass means that the logistics of this country are some of the most expensive in the world. Yeah. And it is cheaper to send a container from Rotterdam to Jakarta than it is to send from Jakarta to Papua. You're kidding me. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a reality that we're trying to tackle. And uh, President Jokowi has made it a priority of his presidency to reduce internal shipping costs. And to his credit, since uh, President Yoko Widodo has assumed uh, his position, the cost of internal logistics has come down significantly. There's still a lot of homework to be done. Uh, as an emerging country, we're still investing quite heavily in logistics. And I think the diversity, because I mean, it, it's such a large country with such a diversity of islands, that 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 makes the entrepreneurship also thrive, because you have people from different parts of Indonesia and they think differently and they come together as Indonesian. So that's why I think you, you have a, a uniqueness in your entrepreneurs as opposed to other countries. Am I correct in thinking that? I think you're absolutely right. Uh, this is definitely not one of those countries which is a monoculture. Exactly. The 12,000 islands definitely means that, you know, not we're not a cookie cutter country. Not, it is not one size fits all. If exactly. you look at the skin colors in this country, if you look at the body shapes, yes. even the languages, there's so many spoken that um, to conquer this country as a market is difficult, but it also means that the opportunities are immense. Yes. And if you're yes. talking about a population uh, of in excess of 240 million, mm -hmm. even if you have a 5% market share, that is already a very good business opportunity for most companies in the world. Yeah, exactly. So I can see that the way your, your strategy of going beyond Java and being able to get membership from different parts of Indonesia is very strategic. And I think uh, you're doing well. So from 20,000, what do you expect to see in, let's say, in uh, two years' time? Oh, you're putting <laughs> me on the spot now. But I would conservatively be estimating that uh, year on year would be increasing by at least 15%. So oh, fantastic. Let's see how let's see how that works. Everyone's in awe of Indonesia. I mean among the IAC and I talked to the rest of them. Indonesia is the biggest, Indonesia is the most thriving in them. And there you have you have such an enterprising young man in charge of all of this. How could it go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so for the benefit of the young entrepreneurs listening in, can you share with us a little of uh, uh, what the business ecosystem is like in Indonesia. This is for entrepreneurs outside Indonesia who are looking at, hey, you know, I can work with HIPME members and, and come into Indonesia, invest or form partnerships inside. So they would want to know what the business ecosystem is like in Indonesia. Could you tell us a little bit? Sure. So I think um, one thing that has to be recognized in Indonesia is that 
the top priority for us for when it comes to foreign direct investment has always been to increase the ease of doing business, mm -hmm. right? So we realize that we're not in an optimal place when it comes to uh, the ease of doing business index. So President Joko Widodo's reforms, structural reforms, have really been aimed at that. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of that also has been, aside from the internal reforms that we're doing, to also sign bilateral trade agreements. So mm -hmm. as a, a, a citizen of Malaysia, you would be aware that uh, as uh, we've both entered into the RCEP, mm -hmm. and then we have multiple um, reciprocal trade agreements with, uh, with countries such as the EU, SEPA, uh, Germany, Indonesia trade agreement, and so forth and so forth. So not only are we reforming internally, but we're also doing multiple uh, multilateral trade agreements and reciprocal trade agreements. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the reform that we're doing, you know, we're looking at sustainability, uh, we're giving MSMEs more access to credit, we're improving connectivity, uh, we're digitizing the country, and uh, we're sort of going away from the very traditional emerging market uh, concentration in uh, state-owned enterprises and mm -hmm. moving more into private and, and uh, enabling and empowering MSMEs. So when you come into this country, I would first look at does your home country have a reciprocal trade agreement with Indonesia or not? Mm -hmm. That's number one. And then if you have a good idea of what you want to do in Indonesia, please come to either the Indonesian Chamber of Commerce or the Young Entrepreneurs Association and let us be your partner in expanding into this country we can educate you about the prospects in the particular uh, segment or region that you're trying to expand into. And if needed, if you want to, we can also business match you with the right local partner that has the local knowledge and the local network to make sure that your business goes smoothly. And I think that's really the key, as, we, as you would know, right, in Malaysia, yeah. the choice of partner locally always is so important, Yes, right? True. The languages, as you mentioned, you know, there's so many different languages in Indonesia, so many different local norms, so that um, the sensitivity to local practices, local market specifications, and local demand is really important to you being able to succeed in any of those markets within Indonesia, right? So the choice of local partner is so, so important. Yes, yes. definitely, definitely. So what would be the... Um... It, what for hit me itself for your the entrepreneurs the twenty thousand odd plus uh, in what would you think be their wish list? Do, are they are they looking at exporting going beyond Indonesia? Or are they at this point uh, just you know because Indonesia is huge, it's a huge market to sell within itself. So what what is the wish list of the young entrepreneurs there? Uh, that's a wonderful question. I think um, during the pandemic. These two uh, sort of wish list items that I'm going to mention have become even more urgent than ever before, which is MSME access to credit, mm -hmm. right? During mm -hmm. the pandemic, when everyone was experiencing a financial crunch, working capital had become even harder to come by. Yeah. So I think enabling MSME access to credit is so, so important. And we're seeing now that Indonesia is going into the direction of having more non-banking, non-traditional funders uh, cover the gaps mm -hmm. in this funding market. So that's number one, mm -hmm. MSME access to credit. And I think number two is uh, MSME digitalization. Mm -hmm. In Indonesia, 
it's fairly well shown. And I think uh, one of the re key recent reports that, 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 that produced this insight was the Economy Southeast Asia report by Temasek and Google. It showed that amongst MSME market actors, Indonesia was still one of the lowest in being digitized. I think it was below 30%. Whereas in Singapore, over half of the MSME market actors were already digitized and going online. So we need to help those MSME players really go digital so that when we have a pandemic, when there are multiple lockdowns, they are still able to earn money yeah. and conduct business. Yeah. So those two things would be on the top of my list. Yeah. So you're talking about MSMEs. What would be the percentage among your the, your 20,000? Would there be uh, like 50% MSMEs and 50% SMEs? Or, 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 or maybe... That, uh, I would say at least 90% are MSMEs. I see. And then the other 10% would be SMEs and you said some of the big boys. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So now this interview, uh, Hans, is going on across Southeast Asia and the wider world. Would you have anything you'd like to say to our viewers about why they should consider doing business with Indonesia's young, many young and dynamic entrepreneurs? Thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to sort of uh, market Indonesia to a wider audience. And I think there's three things that I want to point out. Number one is obviously Indonesia is a huge uh, demographic bonus, right? We have a young population that is going to be economically productive for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And they are also going to be consuming. So in terms yeah. of a market for you to enter into, this is a vastly attractive market. Yeah. Right, and with the structural reforms, it's going to become even more attractive. So that's number one, the demographic bonus. Number two is really um, the fact that we are doing a V-shaped recovery from the pandemic. We are recovering quite quickly. Some sectors within Indonesia, such as oleochemical and petrochemical, are doing as well mm -hmm. as before the pandemic, as well as mining, of course. So uh, the recovery in Indonesia is going to be as fast if not faster than the average of its peers in ASEAN. So that's Fantastic. the second attractive best factor, right? Fantastic. And the third is really- Congratulations to Indonesia. Thank you. The, the third factor, and I think one of the most important is when it comes to uh, the digital economy, when it comes to tech, when it comes to decacorns, we are definitely the number one economy yeah. in Southeast Asia. We have uh, three decacorns by last count, uh, maybe more depending on who you believe mm -hmm. but we are the home of decacorns within southeast asia and we are the home of unicorns for sure so that means right. that in this in this time where the world is still uh, very much locked down where air travel is still restricted you can enter and do business within this country without even setting foot here because of the vast digital economy mm -hmm. and we welcome that so i think these three factors uh, really make Indonesia a very attractive foreign direct investment destination and also an attractive destination for you to find partners and expand your business here. Yes. Uh, I mean, generally, a lot of people feel that way too. I do that. I think Indonesia is very welcoming and your policies are, are easy, I think. Uh, it, is there any, and um, what do you call it, barrier to entry for, for businesses to come and set up in Indonesia? Um, 
Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that question. So Indonesia does have several priority economic sectors. And in fact, our former chairman, Bahli Lahadalia, who is now the minister of BKPM or foreign investment, is the one in charge of, of, of that particular uh, task in the, in, in the Indonesian government to facilitate foreign investment. So uh, I won't name one by one the priority sectors, but let me assure everyone that's watching right now. Mm -hmm. If you come to Indonesia and you liaise with the Ministry of Foreign Investment, mm -hmm. there's a special team set up to do what we call unblocking. So if you encounter mm -hmm. any sort of red tape from regional governments, if you have problems with permits, you know, if you wish to engage with local communities, that ministry will facilitate. The uh, Young Entrepreneurs Association hit me as a virtue of our former chairman now being that minister, is very happy to be the liaison between foreign investors and that ministry. So we are definitely rolling out the red carpet for foreign investors, especially for those priority investments. And of course, the nominal amount is also important. While we do welcome any size of investment, of course, bigger is better. Yeah, so especially for those projects which are in excess of 100 million USD, you will get a special processing lane, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, means that you will get certain permits and licenses within a 24-hour period. Wow, fantastic. So I like the part where you have a ministry of unblocking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fantastic. Absolutely well done. This is why Indonesia is like racing ahead, I guess. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, and I want to talk to you one more thing about the Young ASEAN Young Entrepreneurs Carnival, which is being held uh, from the 18th to the 21st of November in Brunei. Now, how is HIPME working on that? What will HIPME be doing during the carnival and what do you hope to achieve from that? Sure. Well, um, Indonesia as a founding council member, right, uh, will definitely be heavily involved. And I think part of what we're doing and sharing with young entrepreneurs around the region is our experience in recovering from the pandemic, yeah. right? And I don't think one approach to recovery is correct. Like we mentioned before, it's not one size fits all. And definitely different sectors will have different paths to recovery. So what we have done is we have contributed two speakers, one from, um, I would say, social commerce, and the other one from uh, a major fintech to share their experiences about how they've recovered from the uh, pandemic or how they are helping others recover from the pandemic. So that's one. Mm -hmm. And I think also importantly, uh, Indonesia is helping bridge the communications between the ASEAN Young Entrepreneurs Council and the ASEAN Business Advisory Council, which is sort of the Apex Private Sector Advocacy Council within ASEAN. Yeah. And so we are having an AYEC, ABAC uh, mm -hmm. policy discussion, the first time ever, right? Mm -hmm. It was proposed by Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And uh, Indonesia is acting as the moderator in that because uh, as I mentioned, uh, I will be, uh, I will cease to be young very soon. <laughs> and uh, as that, uh, heading no, into you cease to be young by their standards. We're always going to be young. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. So yeah, we're acting as a, a moderator and then uh, putting the two worlds together, so to speak, because mm -hmm. communication everywhere can be enhanced no matter what. So uh, hopefully, we'll have a very fruitful carnival, and mm -hmm. it's going to be an exciting event. We have so it many exciting like it. Yeah, it sounds like it, and so much work has gone into it. 
It certainly has. The hands, you say it's going to be your last year with HIPMI? Or your last yes. two years? Unfortunately, I'm aging out. And I've already got one foot in the Indonesian Chamber of Commerce. Mm. And that's generally the, the, the path that we undertake. If you are a board member in the Young Entrepreneurs Association, and you continue contributing to the country, then there is a pathway into the Indonesian Chamber of Commerce for you to, con uh, to continue doing your work for the country. And that's what I'm doing so far. That's interesting. So you have been such an intriguing person. Besides your extensive knowledge and everything that you've told us about Indonesia and the ecosystem and hit me, but you yourself are such an intriguing person. So now we come to you. You've got to, find, you've got to tell us a little bit more about yourself your background, what led you to be this, this hip and happening young man, young entrepreneur, and so accomplished. And as you were saying earlier, you are very global. <laughs> so I think the rest of our audience would want to hear a little bit more about you. Thank you. So uh, I am what is commonly called a third culture kid. I was born and raised in the Netherlands and then immigrated to Indonesia uh, only later in my life. I started working in Indonesia in 2006, and um, I've been a, either a consultant or a banker for a lot of my professional life before then moving into my family enterprise. So I think having been both in the financial world and the sort of professional services world through management consulting has given me quite a versatile skill set, but I think more importantly, anyone that needs to work in an emerging economy needs to be uncomfortable. We need to be comfortable with a highly volatile and complex situation, right? Because as you are aware, uh, in emerging countries, the government can change, regulations can change, stakeholders can change, and it's very different in terms of an operating environment from uh, mature or developed economies, right? Yeah. So I think. Um, Having that background gives me that skill set where I feel very comfortable. And, um, you know, uh, I think now being in my family business also gives me a different perspective. It's very different from the corporate world. And I understand young entrepreneurs who are, you know, spending their own money to acquire customers, have their own capital at risk so much better now that uh, I'm in my own family business. Yeah. So I think I have the background of both a mature a uh, big company uh, corporate background. So I know how things are supposed to be run, so to speak, with good governance, risk management, yeah. and so forth. But I also feel the growing pains of the individual entrepreneur. And hopefully having that background, I can help people be the best that they can be through Hit Me and Cutting. You have the best of both worlds. You see it. So you can see it from every angle, 360 degrees. So tell us a little bit about your family business. It's mining, right. isn't it? That's right. So we are part of a, a we a, we are a diversified natural resources company. We have coal, nickel, iron ore. Um, we have two kinds of stone. We have rock quarry stone, which is used for land reclamation and land stabilization, and we also have decorative stone like marble and granite. Mm, wow! And how long has it been? Was it something that your father started? That's right. My father founded the company. So uh, like me before, he was a corporate man, but after I think about 20 years in the corporate world, decided to branch out on his own. Um, and he founded uh, the Ascend Group, which is now uh, what I just described. I myself uh, still have one foot in the family business and one foot in the tech world. 
Um, so I'm a little bit of a hybrid, but yes, it is a completely uh, family-owned company started by my father. Yeah. So as a little boy, you must have seen how your father developed a business and you learned how it's like to start something from scratch and make it work. That's the true entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, it's a very, I, I, it's, it's very good that you bring that up because it's a very different working atmosphere when you're leaving a corporate environment Absolutely. where the infrastructure is mature yep. and when you're bootstrapping a new business, right? Absolutely. It's a small office, you put your own capital at yes. risk, it's long nights and sleepless, sleepless nights. Right? <laughs> yes. You worry all the time that you've got to make sure you're there for everyone, your people, the risk you take. You don't take much risk in the corporate world because everything is there. You just fit in and, and, and grow it. But when you're an entrepreneur like your dad started and like you do, I think you, you did the blee-blee. Blee -blee. That's right, right, absolutely. Yeah. So um, blee-blee is an interesting story, right? It's the largest B2C platform in Indonesia. Uh, it is owned by uh, a long-standing family friend, uh, and that is part of a family conglomerate as well. So I joined about two years ago as the chief of staff and head of business development, and bringing some of my corporate expertise to uh, make a, a large tech company that has grown very fast now into a mature enterprise. Mm -hmm. So I think, interestingly, a lot of tech companies grow very fast, yeah. but the internal infrastructure, the internal governance doesn't grow as fast as the company itself, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So you've seen it with, for example, WeWork or Uber, after such massive growth, the internal governance and the internal management of the business didn't grow as fast as the overall revenue did. So part of my role is not helping catch up the internal structure, strategy formulation, and business It's a good problem to have, Hans. <laughs> well, I can't complain. I'm very, very happy. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 the reverse would be harder to manage. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> very blessed. Yeah. So I'm so honored to have you with us because I, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of all your accomplishments. And I think Indonesia is such a wonderful country the way you say it. And I hope our audience have taken back a lot from what you said to be able to start coming into Indonesia and doing business with HIPMI members and Indonesia itself. And, Lovely. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so and much. thank you for this opportunity to help people see Indonesia from our eyes, from ASEAN's eyes. Yes. And that's what Voice of ASEAN is here to do. To be able to tell stories like you told us now to the rest of the world. So join us live tomorrow, 17 November at 11 a.m. Malaysian time for an interview with Gavin Wongku Solkit, the president of Thailand Young Entrepreneur Chamber of Commerce. And Voice of ASEAN thanks you for your time and we'll be uploading a recorded version of this dialogue in our portal for those who missed it.